Hey, welcome back to the podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. Uh, I'm your host, Jared Waters, two-time wrestling champ, stand-up comedian. Uh, whatever you think I am, that's what I am. This is the podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a interesting week that's evolved. Interesting week. Uh, we just got our stimulus checks from President of the United States, so people. <laughs> You can tell how happy people are. People texting you, did you get your check? Did you get your check? Hey, let's do it. What you what you buying it on? I'm like, I'm staying in the house, uh, which is good. I think money makes people a whole lot happier, if you don't know. So a lot of people are, like, happy. Uh, it uh, makes you think about politics a little bit. Because if you don't know, if you're living underneath the rock, Joe Biden has got the endorsement. So it's going to be Joe Biden versus President Trump. Uh, we I think me and my boy Lita, we called this maybe like three years, two years ago when we did our other, we had our podcast, Which Way Is Up, which is on hiatus, is coming back in soon. Uh, we're talking about this, and we think this too, that it's going to be Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. And I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not, I'm I'm like, what you're just independent, you know. I just like seeing things and looking how the, the country sides. Uh gotta stop saying uh i remember i told myself do not say uh it's very not engaging it's like when you don't have different yeah sorry that's a reflection of myself but we live on the podcast i think that bernie sanders had the best option of beating president trump i think bernie sanders had the best options but it's like young young liberal people love bernie sanders actually i don't think bernie probably had the best had the best chance of beating President Trump because even though old people don't like Bernie, I think at the end, people would have sided to Bernie. But the only thing is, I don't think Joe Biden, Joe Biden has maybe a closer chance, but I really think this election, President Trump's going to beat him by a lot because a lot of people just don't like Joe Biden. They think he talks, <laughs> they think he talks a lot. They think he's creepy. And it's just like the young, liberal population, they're going to not vote. I think they're, they're going to vote, but they're going to do something stupid like they're going to put in Joe, they're going to put in, they're going to put in, what's this guy's name who's running? There's Joe Biden, and there is, uh, yeah, Bernie, they're going to write in Bernie Sanders' name. I remember in Florida, it was 2016, 26, I left, I, yeah, when I was leaving, leaving Florida when it was President Trump versus Senator Hillary Clinton. I remember 10% of the vote went, instead of going to Hillary Clinton, went to D's nuts. <laughs> so I really think a lot of the Bernie fans are going to write in Bernie's name in protest. And I feel like we the reason why President Trump's going to win again, because we don't know who his voters and supporters are. Most of them are just secret people. They just go in the booth and they change. I think it'll be another four years of President Trump. And... <clears throat> And everybody makes, everyone's making fun of Bernie Sanders because Bernie Sanders is like 80 or 70, 91, however old he is. But Joe Biden is 77. So if you think he's wild now, what do you think he's going to be in four years of all that pressure of running the country on him as an old man? Like you can see it now with like President Trump. They're old. These dudes are old talking to like young reporters. So of course they're going to be grouchy old, grouchy old men. So anyway, it's going to be wild. Whoever gets it. Uh, I think it might be President Trump by like a few states, a few states. I think no, the Dem Democratic Party's not united, so they're going to split the vote. Wherever state it's going to be, I think they're going to split it. And the other side, the Republicans are very united. So I'm curious to see what happens in 2024 when we get a read. Maybe it'll be freaking Kanye. You don't know. Maybe you just, I don't know. I don't know who who's going to rise up. But you can just tell that that party's not happy about Joe Biden being the nominee. It's like you can tell there's a division between old leftists, young leftists, and stuff like that. But, you know, that's the only politics we talk here. We don't really, you know, ain't about what I, what is, yeah, it's not about what I think, even though the podcast is about me being alone on the hill. Uh, other news, which was kind of sad, sad news. Uh, <clears throat> I live in New York City, so Mayor de Blasio canceled physical school and says, we're just going to be doing online learning, which is tough for, like, kids, especially special needs kids who really need to be of service providers, and they're just uh, home alone right now with their parents. That's that's a very tough pill to swallow. And then our governor, 
Cuomo says, who was Bill de Blasio to shut down schools? He doesn't have the power to make that decision. I'm like, what? What is going on? But it was uh, it made me reflect with my team. So I, I teach kindergarten, and I, I, I text my our, our team. We have a group check, so we're, we're talking to each other. And, you know, they're down. Not down about it, but, you know, we're trying to look at the brightness. And then you just assess this whole year. And this year really was a good year. <clears throat> Excuse me. I know it's not over. But, like, for, I've been teaching a long time, but, like, this is, like, the only year where there's just, like, no drama in my team at all. Not drama, but there's just, like, everybody's cool. Everybody pulls their own weight. Everyone likes each other. Everyone checks in on each other. This is, like, a really, it was a really good team. So, every, and they're all different. They're all, like, they're all different. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm not sick at all. I don't know why I keep doing it. But I think the reason why is because, like, it's, like, a, glitch in the matrix when I started teaching I started teaching with like very older people and the first school that I went at was closing down so I didn't really have like a mentor or anything else I learned everything on my own so then when I got to like this other school when I started teaching again it was like older people like old people older teachers don't give an f about you don't give an f about <laughs> hanging out brunch happy hour they got family so they're just like whenever time it's over get out of our face boom let's go home but, like, when I moved to New York, most teachers are just very young, like, very young, and young in a good way. So you can, you literally can hang out, and you literally can build a friendship. And this was, like, the first year, me personally, where I was just like, F it, I'm unblocking people off Instagram, I'm just going to be who I am. And I felt like the more open I was, the more open my team was, and we were just very receptive. We all follow each other on Instagram. So it was very, it was a very great year. So, uh, you know, just a glitch in the matrix having that when you have, like, young, not even young teachers. There are people doing their first year teaching, which is great because I'm, like, seeing them grow, seeing them make big, big, not big mistakes, but, like, big decisions. And I hate, I don't really like, I don't like stunting anyone's growth. I think the best way to learn is through experience. So I like just watching them. I was like, oh, yeah, figure it out. You got it. No, no, you got it. Most of every time they think, I was like, you probably think the right way. So it's, uh, you know, happy or sad, and uh, the year, it's been good. It's been, like, really good. Uh, the the head of school and the, the administration was well, so I, I had no complaints this year, man. I was really, this was easy. Even Steven, this is probably the most coolest year that I've had professionally and, like, off work and work. Uh, proud of uh, my, my friend Lita. I remember he was a para, then he went up to a, my teacher's assistant, and now he's a leader in the school. I'm just like, I'm happy for growth, man. It's been like a really, really good year. And everyone that I was working with is just, you bond, you bond, you bond. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, news that's happening. I've been watching, been watching some shows. I watched The Good Dinosaur, a Pixar movie. Whoa, hello. Man, what's up with, like, these kid movies that just show so much death? I just noticed that. Wow. The good dinosaur, his dad dies within the first, <laughs> it's not funny, but the 11 minutes into the movie, which made me think, I saw this thing trending on Twitter about what's the toughest death that you see. And the toughest death on screen as a cartoon was was freaking Mufasa. I remember when I went to the movie theater, and watch The Lion King. That's how old I am. I went to the movie theater with my mom. And that scene changed me for life. I remember I became a man after that. I think I was four or five or six when The Lion King came out. And like, you know, when he's like, Dad, Scar, brother, help me. And he goes, long live the king. My mother tried to close my eyes. She goes, close your eyes, Jerry. I was like, no, no, no. I need to see this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Then I freaking watched, and I was like, oh, F, man, this is, like, this is some dark stuff for kids, like, dealing with death in a tragic way for, like, kid movies. And then I watched, then I watched, okay, then I watched Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, a documentary about Mr. Rogers, which I found interesting about what he went through. Mr. Rogers, it's a beautiful day in my neighborhood, a beautiful day in my neighbor, to be a neighbor. Would you be mine? Would you be my neighbor? Probably not the lyrics. But I watched it on HBO. Shout out to people that give me the HBO Go Passwords. You know what I mean? Shout out to that. So I'm I'm watching this documentary. And Mr. Rogers 
was it makes a lot of sense about who he was. He was a minister. He was about to go to seminary school to become a minister, and then he television just came out. He didn't really watch TV, but he wanted to use this PBS program to make a show for children, and he was taking on some real dark stuff at the time. There's a lot of racism happening where. Uh, Black people in the country were getting kicked out of public pools because they couldn't swim with white people. So he brought a black person in and washed his feet in the pool. He did that on TV. So he was really teaching, you know, kids at the time to just love everyone. And the problem, not the problem was, but the problem he was getting is that nobody believed he was that nice. Nobody believed he was that nice. Nobody believed people thought something was up with him. And he was, like, doing very, uh, pro, you know, innovative stuff. He had a, the first gay black man on PBS. The officer that he put inside the pool was a gay black dude. So I'm like, man, he was really, and it was really against, at the time, it was against what policy was going because the, the sponsors, Johnson & Johnson's, didn't want an openly gay person out there. So this police officer, you know, he was gay, so he went down to, like, gay bars. He's, like, dancing and picking up dudes and stuff. And Mr. Rogers called him. He's like, hey, you can't be at that bar. And they kind of, like, made him go into a marriage, uh, uh, heterosexual marriage that he didn't want to go to. But he said that Mr. Rogers the whole time, because the sponsors didn't let him have an openly gay person on the show, he still supported him. He goes, so when I sung these songs, it was for you. It wasn't for me. It's okay to be yourself. So Mr. Rogers was just like a really kind person. Sometimes I really think that when you work with children, people think something's wrong. We're like, oh, this guy can't be that nice. He has to be upset. That's what some people say to me. You can't be this calm. You can't be this everything else. I'm like, yeah, I'm just calm, man. You can't. It's hard to get mad at someone who does, someone who doesn't know anything and hasn't been experienced to life like that. But it's easier to get mad at like someone older who's experienced life and who is, you know? Because this show was really for, like, I would say early development, six to seven. Maybe I think after six to seven, eight, that's when, like, a child becomes more affected with the world and regurgitates what their family's beliefs are, regurgitate how their family's feeling. But it's like a young show, so everyone on, like, these news channels were blaming Mr. Rogers for these kids growing up saying they're entitled because they felt Mr. Rogers told them that they're special and they're not special and they need to work hard for everything. And I was like, man, everyone's kind of just turned on this old man. And he, he stops his show. He starts doing an adult show for, like, adults talking to adults. But nobody really wants to hear an old man talking to adults. So he had to go back to his TV show. And you could see the rust the rust on him, how his cartoon characters start being like very mean and the king was being mean and he had to address the nation after 9-11. And it was just like, I, I guess, not I guess, it's just the world will turn on you, man. The world will turn on you. Sometimes when you're very good at something that's very, and you do something different, they're just like, nah, why is he like, why is this old man like this? So seeing him at the, this documentary is really like sad how like he didn't like being bullied not bull. He didn't like people making jokes of him. He said Eddie Murphy. He like enjoyed Eddie Murphy's imitation of him because it wasn't mean. But everyone else, <laughs> just they were really like these. These uh, sketch shows were just making Mr. Rogers a dark character, and and I guess he was really not. I guess, but he had felt about his brand. He didn't like when comics were making this mean humor. And I think when you think about comedy, it's always funny trying to put a spin to something. But what was Mr. Rogers really like? But everyone said he really was just a nice old man. A nice old geezer. That's what he was. So that was uh, I watched with Mr. Rogers. And then I stumbled across something that not didn't disturb me, but I found interesting. was uh, Right now it's Ronda Rousey. If you don't know, Ronda Rousey used to be a UFC fighter. And Ronda Rousey is making scenes about this quote that she said. And I want to play it. Because Ronda Rousey was on Steve-O's podcast. She was on Steve-O's podcast. And she kind of like disrespected the whole WWE, which really are the people who kind of like saved her career. 
I'm going to play this clip. I'm going to play this clip of Ronda Rousey talking about wrestling. Here we go. So like to some people, it's like, it's like a religion to them almost. Um, but it's also very closed off. You know, like WWE is kind of, you need like someone to almost like Sherpa you like through it to get it and understand it, what's going on. Because if you just watch a match, even if it was one of the greatest matches of all time, you can very obviously tell that it's scripted and staged and it loses a lot of people there. So I think it's like WWE has its very hardcore fan base and not really that much in between. There's also like a chip on people's shoulder thinking that they don't get the respect that they deserve for what they do. So a lot of times right. from outside and they think like, oh yeah, this is whatever, tip tap bullshit, take whatever's. And people kind of have that chip on their shoulder to prove to them like, hey, this is tough stuff. And this is something you should take seriously. Like pro wrestling, there's like, a, like almost like a hazing to kind of get you to think, the way that they want you to think and adapt, adopt the system right. and way of thinking. Down, having like fake fights for fun is just the best thing, you know? Like, I love choreography, I love acting. What am I doing it for if I am not being able to spend my time and my energy on my family, but instead spending my time on energy on a bunch of fucking ungrateful fans that don't even appreciate me? So in uh, <clears throat> in in reality, so Ronda Rousey is upset because the fans hate Ronda, and I understand why. Uh, Ronda Rousey is a part time wrestler. She's a part time wrestler, meaning that she doesn't do the full dates where you get on the road, you sleep in hotel. She came in as a star, right? So she got the star treatment to help push over female wrestling. They needed a star while they were building up a star. She was already recognized. Now, what Ronda, we don't know. Ronda Rousey is very, we don't know. A lot of interviews are Ronda's very mean to like reporters where she talks down. I think Ronda hasn't assessed her career in the UFC because she left on her back. She left pretty much knocked out. Her last fights, people knocked her out. And I think Dana White has to look at himself and realize they protected Ronda a lot because she fought a lot of clowns. You know, she fought. Uh, some she didn't really fight. She didn't fight Misha Tate. She didn't fight a lot of the fighters that really. She helped propel the sport and make it popular because of her look, cute, but ragey, not light on the eyes. Woman, tough. She wore the 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 tough eyes, the tough makeup. It was Amanda Nunez first. Holly Holmes knocked out Ronda Rousey. Holly Holmes knocked Ronda Rousey out, which was everyone thought that thought that it was going to be they're kind of saying how like all the wrestlers and fighters were saying that ronda rousey was getting pushed over meaning pushed over meaning that she was the face of the sport and they needed her to propel the sport to help to get more women into it so women were watching and they were inspired by ronda which is true what ronda did was amazing for like young girls to believe like oh i could fight too i'm in the ufc i know a lot of my friends kids start fighting because of ronda rousey one of my good friends i don't know where she is amanda she loves Ronda Rousey. Everything's about Ronda. And I remember before the fight, I was telling her, I was like, no, Holly Holmes is going to beat Ronda. She's a kickboxer. This girl can fight for real. But Ronda was pretty much, she was, I would say that Ronda was more becoming what she wasn't. She was an MMA, MMA fighter. She wrestled, or her type of fighting style was like judo. I think it was ju- judo, ju- judo, I think whatever she, what she went to the Olympics for. She got fourth. So she became this persona. She started believing like I, Mike Tyson. She was doing pretty much off intimidation, scaring girls. Everyone was scared of the look, how she didn't look at anybody. She was like building into this character that she was building, right? But at the same time, more fighters were developing. So when female MMA sport was going, like Misha Tate was there, but she wasn't really, they couldn't sell her. I couldn't sell her as a UFC fighter. She was taking steroids and stuff. But Ronda was the face. She was the look. She became the face of the company. So she was, and you can't hate, she was selling out pay-per-views. She was doing multiple pay-per-views, headlining UFC fights. So what she did was amazing, and we appreciated that. But a lot of people felt like Amanda Nunez when she said like her her, uh, her coaches and trainers started believing that she was a fighter. So let's play this clip. This is what Amanda Nunez said after she knocked 
Ronda out. It seemed like you went to her corner and you kind of shushed them. Was that directed at her coach? Yeah, because he think he, he, she, she think she's a boxer, you know? He, like, put this thing in her head and make the girl believe in that. I don't know why he did that. She have a great judo, you know, and then she can like go far, more far away in this, in this, um, in this division. But he put like some, like crazy thing about his boxing, and then like her career started like going down. And that's why I went there. I'm the real striker here, and this is the only thing I wanna like look at him like to say. So like the so that's a man of New Year's after she knocked her out. And Amanda New Year's is a real striker, straight Brazilian. And I agree with what she said. She goes, Ronda was great at judo. Excuse me, not juco. Judo, I'm like juco football. She was great. Her fighting style was judo. So getting behind somebody, wrestling, setting up the submissions, that's what she was good at. But uh, the fans liked it when she started knocking people out. So she became this knockout artist a little bit, and she was scaring girls. And girls were scared to get knocked with her. So they're kind of like putting her against people who matched her fighting style. So putting her against other judo fighters. So when she struck them, they weren't expecting to get punched in the face. And then Holly Holmes knocks her out. And then oh, Amanda just really just, Amanda beat the bricks out of Ronda. So yeah, <clears throat> so Ronda, she, there's no discredit to her. She she held the mantle for female, for female UFC fighters. Uh, back in 2011, 2011, Dana White did not want women fighting in the UFC at all. He just thought that, you know, I'm going to play a clip where he thought that he just didn't want to see women get knocked out. He thought it was a male chauvinistic thing. So Ronda was one of the first women that came and propelled the sport of UFC. So she did that. She held the mantle for it. So for a while she did it. But as you're the first one to do it, you know, it's like Bill Russell playing. You're, yes, you're great, but the competition didn't start coming until the tail end of his career. So, like, everything that he accomplished, yeah, it was great, but at the same time, there was no, you know where the real the real talent was at the end. You know, all your records, yes, of course, 11 championships, but Michaels was very more competitive because he's playing with the best in the world. So, uh, I'm going to play this clip. I'm going to play this clip about Ronda because this is it's just interesting. I'm giving my thoughts. But this is Dana White talking about what Ronda Rousey did for the sport. At the time, I was trying to get people to accept the men fighting in a cage and, and I'm going to admit, you know, there's this male chauvinist side to all of us. I don't want to see a pretty girl getting elbowed in the face. Who wants to see that? I want to see that. Then I met Ronda Rousey. Ronda! Ronda! I think this is the woman that can blow this whole thing up. decision I ever made and now look at what Ronda started and, and you know I've learned a lot since 2011 when I said no women will never fight in the UFC so yeah it was he was you know they picked Ronda Ronda was the golden child he picked her because she had a certain look and he knew that Ronda could propel the sport and we knew at the time there wasn't that many skilled fighters then so Ronda was the first one to actually, you know, she was great at judo, and she was, you know, okay with her hands. And then at the tail end of her career, she could still go in the UFC. She could still fight again. But she knows these girls now are completely, these women, excuse me, are completely light years ahead. So Ronda left on her back out of the UFC. What she did, she'll always be inside the UFC Hall of Fame because she carried the sport. It was more like... Like Yao Ming, not that Yao Ming. Yao Ming was a great basketball player, but what Yao Ming did for the sport in China, he made it global. He took the sport, like Michael Jordan took this basketball and made it a global sport. We can't compare it to Michael Jordan. That's disrespectful. Uh, I see, uh, like a wrestler, right? And they called her Rowdy Ronda Rousey. And Rowdy came from Rowdy Roddy Piper. So she had very close ties to the WWF or WWE. So we're breaking that down now. So when Ronda says F the fans, it's because at the time when Ronda crossed over to wrestling, she had one of the biggest pops. Like she got pushed over. Her first match was with The Rock. 
the first time introduced to the sport of wrestling as one of the greatest athletes of all time. So Ronda's popularity, I agree with that. Her popularity really made her a huge, a huge, she made her skip a couple steps inside wrestling. And I'm pretty sure she still has friends in the locker room. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, she's not. But right now, a lot of the women are very upset because you wrestle part-time, Ronda Rousey. And the wrestlers who do wrestle part-time, this is really a nerd episode, are the wrestlers who earned it. The Rock, he's kind of a part-time wrestler when he wants to. Undertaker comes in randomly at, you know, WrestleManias and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it, so what she, what she said was, was like very disrespectful to the people who did it because a lot of people got hurt because Ronda was an amateur wrestling. So a lot of wrestlers like Alexa Bliss was getting hurt. All these athletes, female athletes were getting hurt by Ronda because she really didn't train up as a wrestler. So she was very aggressive because she came from the UFC. So she was hurting a lot of people. So I want to play a clip now. This is from Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch is the current WWE champion. And she's from Canada. She's from Canada. She's wrestled her whole life. And I really feel that she she was the one that she's the one now that everybody loves because she worked hard and the fans pretty much grew up with her. So this is Becky Lynch talking about Ronda Rousey. Here we go. I'm curious if you can give me your honest thoughts. Like when 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 Ronda talks about it being fake and things like that. To me, there's a line in this business, right? You, I would have never heard Bret Hart speak like that back no, in the day. No, you wouldn't hear a champion speak about that. How do you feel about that? I think it's completely disrespectful. I think it's completely stupid. And I think it's, it's almost laughable because this is the same woman who a few months ago was in her kitchen crying, crying over how tough it is. And she, she is on a part-time schedule for four months, came in, was handed everything, made her debut at WrestleMania, having never earned her way into this business. Yes, she earned it in a different business, but that's like somebody from basketball showing up in the NFL and expecting to be the quarterback. That's ridiculous. And she, she, she came in, was handed everything, got to wrestle the best of the best on all the pay-per-views, got on the cover of everything, every poster, every DVD, got all the press opportunities, and she is crying in her kitchen about a part-time schedule because she cannot make breakfast for her husband. And yet that is the same woman who disrespects our business when the rest of us are out working 52 weeks a year, at least five nights. We are, we are on the road in hotels more than we are at home in our own beds. And, and that's our life. And that's the life that we choose, but that's the life that we love. And we do that so that we get the opportunity, hopefully one day, to main event WrestleMania. She has handed that opportunity. How dare she disrespect my business? Ooh, good DDD. That was Becky Lynch. And, you know, you don't encourage fighting, but, like, I, I agree with her. Like, Rhonda, you can't say F the fans and wrestling's fake when wrestling pretty much saved the tail end of your career and kept you to afloat, to be honest with you. Like, Rhonda, okay, you would have kept acting, which is cool. But the thing about when Mike Tyson lost his edge... It was kind of like over for Mike Tyson until he started beating up people on the street and became a person. I just Ronda doesn't have like a personality, you know. Her boyfriend or husband at the time he was arrested for beating up his ex-wife, and then she took the story is that Ronda took him from that relationship, and he's been arrested for domestic violence. So Ronda's right now it's she's like pissed off the whole WWE locker room, and to call it fake is like very disrespectful because a lot of people died in that ring. Eddie Guerrero died because of the, the the pressure of wrestling. Owen Hart died inside the ring. Uh, some of these wrestlers can't even get up. Some of these wrestlers have been paralyzed. They can't walk. Their knees have been shot to this business. Freaking Chris Benoit, the, the strain of the road made him go crazy. So for her to call, the, call wrestling fake is like, ugh, you know? So what we're going to do now, we're going to call Dan Barry. Dan Barry used to wrestle. He wrestled with the WWE. Uh, he's a real professional wrestler, and he's a stand-up comedian. And uh, we were, I love working with him on the road. I'm going to call him. It is 8.30 in the morning, 8.30 in the morning. So I know he probably doesn't like these phone calls. <laughs> Hello? 
Dan Barry, Jared Waters from the podcast One Man, One Tree and Hill. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm swell. What's it like waking up in the morning? How you feel? I'm good, man. I'm good. I had my little yoga workout this morning. I ate some toast. You know, life's good. Life is great. A break. Dan, as you know, Dan is a professional wrestler. Dan, what's it like on the inside with Ronda Rousey's thoughts about calling wrestling fake and saying F the fans? How do you feel about that? Ah, it's one, of, it's one of two things, right? You look at it from this perspective. Is she is she just doing it for the attention so that when she does come back, she can get some heat on her? Mm. Uh, or is she just being a spoiled brat? I think everyone wants her to be a spoiled brat in this scenario, but I kind of think that she is uh, doing it to get under people's skins. So that when she comes back, she's booed to high hell, and then they can put somebody else into a top spot. You know, I thought I thought about that side as well. But the thing about podcasts are podcasts is when you're very like very open, you know. Yeah. So do you think it was an honest conversation, or some or Vince set it up? I think that I, I think that I think there's a, but there's a semblance of truth to it, right? Like you know, I can't imagine somebody coming in and you know she's being set up to be like this person's going to help the women's division and then she comes in the fans all hate her because she's Ronda Rousey and she's getting to push over their favorite people right so I imagine that it's based in truth but I imagine she's saying it because she knows that one day she'll come back like like and this is a true statement like she loves pro wrestling like Ronda Rousey would go to indie shows uh and watch pro wrestling it's not like she's you know somebody who they you know, sought out and tried really hard to try and get, like, she was a pro wrestling fan. So I would say that I kind of think that she's, you know, yes, I'm sure she got pissed off with the way she was booed and, like, people attacking her online because, you know, wrestling fans are some of the worst people uh, in the grand scheme of life. Um, they are shitty. They are, they're abusive. I don't know if I'm supposed to swear on this, but I'm going to do it anyway. No, Sorry. You can. It's just, um, you can say whatever you want. You're live, baby. Uh, all right, all right. Well, uh, I don't... I just think that people look at her and they'll be like, oh, like, you, you know, she's a terrible person. I'm sure she was upset. She was frustrated. And um, I think that some of the smack talking and pro wrestling probably got under her skin because she wasn't ready for it. And if you watch back the match with her, Charlotte Flair, and Becky Lynch, like, she did the job. She did what she was supposed to do. But there's a couple of moments in there where she lets them know, like, at any moment, this could change. And you don't, you know, as a wrestler, you see it quicker than I think most people. But there's a couple of kicks to the stomach right in the beginning of that match where it's like, oh, <laughs> the two of them look at each other. Rhonda and uh, I'm sorry, Becky and uh, Charlotte look at each other on the outside of the ring like, oh boy, and like they can see. But it was Rhonda letting them know, like, yeah, like I'm doing this for you, but I don't have to. And uh, I think that she is a wrestling fan. I think she understands the wrestling business, and I think that uh, when push comes to shove, she'll be. Uh, She'll be back. Do you think, do you think, right, do you think when Ronda came in, what did she do for women's wrestling? Do you think women's wrestling was already there and she gave the pop that it needed? Or do you think without Ronda, the women's division still would have been as big? Um, Becky Lynch was already becoming super popular when she came in, right? Like, Becky Lynch was on the, well, I guess she was almost there. She was on her way into that spot. Um, Charlotte Flair had... Um, a great match. Uh, you know, I think that when she, when Rhonda came in and faced Triple H and Stephanie, like it was, she was super protected, and um, she was in there with two, with with Triple H, who was going to put that match together for them. You know what I mean? Like they were they were going to put that match together in such a way that Rhonda looked like a star. I think after that, it was like Rhonda on her own against other people. Um, and I think that rest the reason that Rhonda got that huge you know, reaction was that the women's quote-unquote revolution had been going, and this was going to be the kick in the butt. This was going to be the Brock Lesnar of the women's division, right? And uh, I think that she boosted business. She be, They were the first women to main event WrestleMania. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no doubt in my mind that she boosted business for wrestling. I think that um, she thought she was coming in as the conquering hero when in reality wrestling fans were more like, whatever. <laughs> like, we want Becky to win. Because that's what wrestling fans are. They don't like being told that they want to like. Do you think that with Brock Lesnar, though, but Brock Lesnar kind of earned his earned his way to be a part-time wrestler. So do you think what Becky Lynch said about her being only four months out of the year, do you think people don't like the fact that she's a part, that she's on a, the part-time schedule? Well, wrestling fans are smarter now, right? So like back in the day, uh, Andre the Giant would have been a, pro, a part-time wrestler. He was somebody who only wrestled certain 
times, and he'd come in, he was an attraction. That's how they looked at him. And Brock Lesnar is what you would call an attraction. And I would argue Ronda Rousey is also an attraction. Uh, Undertaker is an attraction. There's a big difference in being a part-time wrestler being an attraction, right? Um, I think that Ronda, I think Brock Lesnar had been a wrestler for so long, and then he left to do his own thing. And when he came back as a part-time wrestler, he was... And the attraction of Brock Lesnar being this legit guy who could murder people. Um, and then you have a Ronda Rousey, who is a legit attra- who's a, an attraction who could murder people, but has never had the formal training and was green uh, or new, if you don't know what that term means for anyone listening to this. Um, you don't, it's, it's, if you're new, you don't get that same sort of respect from wrestling fans. Like wrestling fans, like wrestling is. Wrestling fans are gatekeepers to a lot of things, and uh, they don't think that somebody could be able to walk in off the street and, and do what they're doing. You know what I mean? They hated David Arquette when he did nothing wrong. He just was told to win a belt on a show that he didn't agree with, and he was suddenly the most hated person in the world because he didn't earn it. He didn't earn the right to be a, a champion, you know? Um, it, it's Wrestling fans rebel against that type of stuff all the time. And I think that Ronda, you know, I think Ronda, had she been given a fair amount of training and worked and, like, came into the business and they told a different story. It might've played out different. The fans are liked her a lot better, but I don't think that, you know, it would have worked. I think what they did was good. I just think that, um, you know, wrestling fans, you know, I think Ronda was always coming in to put over Becky Lynch. You know, Ronda was, that's what Ronda's goal there was, was to win the belt and then put over the next person. Okay. Let's, if we, if we look at Ronda Rousey, would you say in the UFC, she kind of came into the UFC that way? They kind of created the belt. She was the first one to hold the title and the belt. And Ronda, when she rest, when she fought in the UFC, the sport kind of evolved and she got kind of boosted out because when she first came in, there, there weren't women weren't allowed to fight in the UFC, and she was one of the first ones. That's what Dana White said. She had the look, and they propelled her to push people over, to push the sport over. Then at the end, more skilled fighters started joining in. So do you well, think- I think it's different because she was like she was judo, right? Like she was straight up judo. Right. Like she had like some striking, but she was a judo expert. She was a gold medalist, right? Or, like a fourth. You think she fourth? Yeah, she medaled. Yeah. Um, but I think that the w- real face of women's MMA, the one that opened the door for Ronda Rousey, was Gina Carano. Mm. Is you know uh, she was the face of women's MMA until Ronda came around, and Gina was on her way out when Ronda was on her way in, you know what I mean? Gina Carano had one loss. She left 7-1-0 in MMA. She was like 15-1-0 in uh, Muay Thai. So, I mean, like, um, I would argue that a Gina Carano would have been, if Gina Carano, Gina Carano was the one who ushered in MMA for women. Like, she, not necessarily, but, like, she was the face of women's MMA. And then Ronda came in. And so it was like, you know, Gina walked so Ronda could run. And then Ronda became, you know, the sexiest woman, but, Gina was also the sexiest woman at one point. Like, I, I don't know if that's... Ronda like, capitalized on the times. Yes. She, she, cap- she It was the right time for her. Yeah. And she was a talented fighter. It's not like she wasn't. Like, you know, I think uh, people kind of crap on her because she got knocked out her last, like, two fights. But, like, yeah, but good luck. Like, you would have gotten knocked out. Like, anyone. Like, Ronda, Ronda's a, a tough cookie. Like, uh, I think she's... Um, got an attitude about her i think that she's you know she's a fighter she's competitive and when she loses she gets depressed uh you know i can understand that um but i think that that competitive nature wanted her to be the best pro wrestler there was and then when the fans didn't respond to her the way that she thought they were going to respond to her i think that it probably took her for a loop but then i think that right before wrestlemania she started to show her I'll call it her heel tendencies, uh, her villainous tendencies. Uh, and she, I think she took her real life frustration and was like, well, that's going to be my gimmick now. And, uh, you know, she left on that term. She was that person when she was going into WrestleMania. The last thing, she, the last promo she cut before that, her WrestleMania, like, was her being angry and upset and frustrated and all these things. So I think that if she came back, it would be you know, good business. I don't, I think that her saying those things definitely riles people up. I think that's almost intentional. I don't think she's lying. I just think that she's being honest. And, um, you know, I think that's a good way to sell tickets. What about, what you feel about Nia Jax? Nia Jax saying that she's going to F up Ronda and hurt her when she gets back. What do you think, Nia? Nia, Nia Jax is, uh, well, that's the wrestling mentality, right? Like, um, do you think she means it or she's just talking out of her head? 
Um, both. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I think that she. I don't doubt that Nia Jax thinks she could beat a Ronda Rousey. I don't doubt that for a second. I think Nia Jax does believe that. Um, I think Nia Jax says like, "Wow, cool judo," but if I didn't jump for you on some of those throws, you I wasn't going over. Is like a pretty standard like wrestling thing. Like, um, there's a competitiveness to pro wrestling that people don't necessarily understand, and we treat professional wrestling as um, sacred sport to us. Like we. Um, if I were in a wrestling match and somebody was, if I was a wrestler and some, another wrestler was doing, saying stupid shit off the cuff like Ronda did and I was in the match, I would stretch that person. I would hurt that person. I wouldn't physically beat the shit out of him. Like, I'm not that kind of guy. But, like, I would lean on him and I'd let them know, like, that ain't happening today. You know what I mean? Like, we we protect it. We protect the business because we, as wrestlers, this is how we make our living. This is how we make money. This is how, um... You know, uh, this is how, this is what makes us happy. And you're attacking the thing that makes us happy. And we don't do that. <laughs> we, don't, we don't take that very well. So I don't, no doubt that if Nia Jax and her got in a real fight, Nia Jax thinks she could win that fight. I don't know that she could. I think Nia is relying on her size uh, advantage to win that fight and not necessarily understanding how to fight. Mm. But who knows? They, they might really go at it. Um, but those type of like real life elements are what made Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels matches that much better you know what i mean um it's like kevin sullivan and chris benoit had an amazing match in wcw like there, there's a reason you know there's actual fire behind these right things. that's real that's real okay to transition since we got you here thoughts on behind the beyond the mat with chris benoit how did you feel about that oh the dark side of the ring um dark side i of the think ring, that i think that um so Let's go with the cons before we go to the pros. What were the cons that you saw about it? Uh, I mean, as a, I mean, every every documentary is slanted. Every single documentary is slanted. Um, and if you heard Kevin Sullivan in the aftermath, Kevin Sullivan said the only reason he didn't do a documentary is because he reached out to Nancy's family to see if it would be okay, and no one responded to him, so he didn't do it. So from his perspective, they got to say like he beat Nancy and did all these things, and then he can't even defend himself, which. You know, do I think that maybe there was domestic violence issues? Probably. Uh, it was the 90s and 80s. Like, that's kind of a prevalent problem in that society, uh, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I think that there's – but I think that there's – the thing about documentaries is once you point a camera at something, you've made a decision, right? So that documentary came in as slanted as humanly possible. They already had a predetermined outcome of what it was going to be, and they put it together, right? That's what every documentary is. It's just the way it works. Um, I think that – Go ahead. The Benoit documentary is uh, it lets people into the world a little bit, um, and I think it gives uh, it shines a light on it. I don't I don't think they um, it's weird because I don't think they vilified him enough, but I also think that like they didn't make him they didn't put him in a rosy glow. It was kind of like a they tried to state it as facts, and I think that there are some facts that they missed, and therefore. It becomes its own thing. What what facts did they miss about Benoit? Um, that he always kind of had an aggression thing. Um, he was abusive to the young guys. Um, he, you know, uh, I think that some of them tried to tiptoe around the steroid issue. I think some of them tried to ignore the fact that like everyone's kind of blaming it on like um, concussions and the loss of Eddie. And I think that that's how they perceived it at the time. But that's because they're ignoring, you know historical fact you know what i mean like um they never reached out to chris's ex-wife to find out if he was abusive towards her never reached out like you know what i mean like the, i think the story is more interesting if eddie guerrero dies and concussions cause this man to do what he did rather than being like the guy had aggression issues took steroids which aggravated his uh, increases testosterone because testo steroids aren't the only thing you take testosterone when you do taking steroids so you stack right so you take you know, clenbuterol or whatever, and you stack it with testosterone. And, um, uh, that's the more increase in testosterone is generally causes the aggression. And, uh, I think people ignored that. Um, but you know, I also, am not a doctor and I'm also not, you know, I'm looking at it from the perspective of somebody who like kind of understands like people to some respect. And I think that, uh, they ignored the, his aggression on that side to highlight the more interesting story of him losing his best friend and then having concussion issues and so on. 
was it behind the business? Was it said like Eddie and Chris, everybody knew that they were really friends like that? Everybody yeah. knew that, right? Yeah, there was hype. There was no second guessing it. Those guys were really good friends, you know? Um, and Eddie had anger management issues too. Like they both did because they were both on steroids. And, you know, um, Eddie Guerrero died brushing his teeth. Um, he had a heart issue. The heart issue was from steroids. You know what I mean? Like, not to, I'm not saying this to like vilify Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero is one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's like a guy that I looked up to immensely. But um, at the end of the day, you know, uh, there's a cause and effect. And that's what happened. Um, he died brushing his teeth. So, three more questions. How do you think those wrestlers that were in the documentary, how do you think they got perceived? Like Chris Jericho, his wife, do you think they'll be welcome back into the WWE? It is a two. Chris I think is gone. I think he has no interest in going back. Why so? Um, Chris Jericho's in AEW. Chris Jericho is had a Hall of Fame career. He doesn't care if he goes back. He's sort of a, he is his own person. It's a it's a he's a very stubborn man. Um, not in the worst way, like but just he's a stubborn man. Like I've made a decision, and I don't care if you don't like it. Like that kind of a person. Um, I think that there's a lot of people in WWE now have spoken about the Benoit thing on video and tape and everything. I think WWE doesn't really mind that. Um, I think if there was a vice behind the scenes on Vince McMahon and they started shitting on him, I think they'd, they'd, WWE would even still invite them back. Like, it's not... Wrestlers for the longest time have capitalized on crapping on their boss. So, um, it's not uncommon. You know, Hulk Hogan did it. Randy Savage did it. Do you think that that the WWE will continue to just wipe Chris Benoit off, or do you think eventually they'll let up and like start showing clips of him and stuff? He's already on the network, right? Like they had him on the network and they put a disclaimer on the network saying like this match contains this person or whatever. Um, I don't think they're wiping history. I think that they're not highlighting it. You know, it's a big difference. I think you know it's it's they're not doing like um, that never happened. I think they're doing like look over here and look at this instead. Like, yeah, that happened, but that's not who we are. This is who we are. Um, and I can't fault them for that. That's what anyone would do in those scenarios. You know, Owen Hart died in their program, and uh, they just don't, you know, they, they bury the footage because of respect towards the family. They don't want this footage leaking out and then, you know, it being going quote-unquote viral or getting out there, you know what I mean? So, But it's on YouTube. Well, it was on YouTube. They took it off. The fall itself is not on YouTube. I thought, they've seen it, but you haven't. You've seen they, everyone sees like something, and the fall of Owen Hart was not on YouTube. It was never live at all. They cut it. No, no, they never showed it because it was he was he fell before he began falling. Like falling, I mean repelling. Um, he fell before that. They were on something else, and he fell. And um, you know, uh, he hit a referee on the way down. Like there's a whole bunch of things that happened, um, but. Yeah. Have you seen the footage? No. Never in your life? No one showed it to you? No. No. Okay. I don't think I'd want to see it. Like, I do it because I'm a curious person, but I don't because it's like you're acknowledging you're watching somebody die. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've seen a lot of messed up things in my life, and like each, you know, there's certain things you can't ever forget, and I think that would be one of them, and I think that would bother me. As a wrestler... Big looking inside the business. We're outside the business. Uh, me and you talked about this on a couple of shows about the greatest wrestlers who ever lived. Let's do your Mount Rushmore and why. Uh, sure. Um, I'll go. My my number one's Randy Savage because Randy Savage was somebody who could wrestle absolutely anybody, and he was intense and he was believable. And his everyone everyone was scared of Randy Savage, whether you knew it or not. Um, I also look at it from pure wrestling and that type of thing. So uh, apologies if you know, whatever. Um, I'll say the great Muda, uh, Japanese wrestler who influenced the style of pretty much everybody moving forward. Um, I'll say Mr. Perfect because Mr. Perfect is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Uh, just somebody who understood pro wrestling and understood how to make people look as good as humanly possible. And if I were to go put somebody on Mount Rushmore, I would have to put Undertaker. I know that like people like Hogan or Austin or whatever, but not for nothing, Undertaker worked with both of them and made them all stars. And it's like, you can't, you know, take that away from the dead man. The dead man killed it. So you got Macho Man, you got Grey Muda, you got Mr. Perfect, and you got Undertaker. And there's the thing about that is that all of my guys on my Mount Rushmore are underdogs in this. In this. So that's, if that says anything about me. Yeah, you're an underdog. 
That's damn right I am. <laughs> who would you say that Mount Rushmore are the people who took the sport and made it global? Who would you say the top the top Rushmore of the influencers that made wrestling bigger than life? Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Ric Flair. I'll put The Rock on there. The Rock could interchange with any of them and no one would really see the mind. But Hogan brought it to the, the era. Andre the Giant made people believe wrestling was larger than life. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin ushered in a new era of uh, you know pro wrestling. I, I think it all spells itself out. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Dan. Dan, sorry to wake you up like this, sir, but you know what? Oh, man, I've been awake for two hours. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? Corona-free? Everything's good out there? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Just, just sitting in absolute boredom. Other than that, I'm, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm swell, man. I can't complain at all. Are you back on the island? Yes, I am. For now until the foreseeable future. If you ever, if the island opens up, man, if you ever get to... Uh, 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 Belmore, I left my joke book there, so if you could retrieve it for me, thank you, sir. <laughs> I, will, I will do that. I will absolutely do. I mean, it has to open one day, right? I think it was the last time I was with you, the WWE book. I think I was leaving. I was like, oh, freak! I left my WWE roast joke book. But yeah, man. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> hey, man. Glad you're well. Thank you for the insight in the business, man. Hey, no problem, man. Have a good one. All right, brother. Stay black, man. Uh, you, yeah, no, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that was Dan Barry, and it's always good to get like on the inside, the inside, seeing what's going on, on the inside. And I understand what he's saying about Ronda. So Ronda was she propelled the sport of the UFC, and I, I, I thought about this too. I really think that Vince McMahon is so good at making wrestling believable. I think Ronda might be trolling us, but at the same time, it might be real. But that was the podcast. I don't know what we'll call this. We'll call it a. Inside the ring, maybe. Inside the ring. Inside the ring. I want to shout out uh, my good friend Garrett McCall. Garrett McCall is a audio engineer, a producer of hip. He produces all type of genres of music. Uh, he just made our intro. I don't know when we're going to release it, but he made a dope intro, a little goody mob. And uh, he's going to be on the podcast too. But I don't want him to call in. I want him to do face-to-face because we got so many memories from <laughs> like 20 years, 15 years worth of memories. I'm going to do that. We got some great podcasts coming through. We got Lauren Brown. We talk about uh, schizophrenia. We got my friend my friend Carla. Carla, we talk about uh, having uh, four brain surgeries before the age of 19. We got Reggie Edwards coming in. Uh, we're going to talk about his life. And we have my dear friend uh, Day, and she talks about what's it like being a mother. So that's uh, the podcast today, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. Have a wonderful night. Stay corona-free. Social distances. Stay away from what you got to stay away from. Peace up. A-Town down.